Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm so excited for today's podcast. And more than excited, I want to say that I'm feeling a very special feeling in my heart because today I'm having a conversation with Julia Dennison, who is the executive editor of Parents.com. As all of you may know, Scott and I and our boys were the first same-sex couple, same-sex family, if you will, on the cover of Parents Magazine, and we are now just in a really great relationship with parents, and Julia Dennison, being the executor of Parents.com, had the idea of doing an amazing podcast called We Are Family, and we're co-hosts. Um, she's my co-host. I'm her co-host. And we have some of the most amazing conversations and more importantly, like learning experiences with people on that podcast. But what's really great and special is the two different stories that she and I bring to the podcast as co-hosts. And I'm always not just enamored by her strength and her desire to bring parents and families amazing material um i'm i'm very just inspired by her ability to to teach people without being judgmental and most importantly her own story about how she co-parents uh with her ex with their uh, daughter, Ezzy. And you're going to hear all about that conversation, but more importantly, I want you to just listen with an open ear and an open mind because I know a lot of people out there may be in, in similar situations that we share in this upcoming conversation. So sit back, relax, and enjoy because I would say in 2020, she has been one of my biggest and most inspiring teachers, especially when it comes to being a parent. Always trust and believe in the conversation that we're about to have. What's up? This is Sean T and it's time to trust and believe. You know, I got a haircut and everything. I'm like, well, I don't want to wear headphones anymore. I got a new hairstyle. Oh, my goodness. I know. I think I saw it on, was it your Instagram or your TikTok or maybe both? <laughs> both. I think it was TikTok. <laughs> That's where I usually am these days. It's TikTok. me too. Let's talk about mm -hmm. that. Let's talk about that first. Okay. So sure. you're a single mom co-parenting. What is it Sorry. about TikTok that just makes your, makes your day? <laughs> 
Listen, you know what? I was getting a little stressed out with Instagram. I just felt like it's too polished. There are too many really cute, perfect looking, quote unquote, air quotes, uh, families out there. And I felt like every time I was on Instagram, I was feeling a little bit bad about myself. Like, oh, oh, yeah, a little bit. Just because I'm like, oh, I'm divorced and I'm single. And, you know, it's not necessarily what I would have like dreamed about my life setup. And so Instagram always feels like, hmm just like a polished version of so many people's lives. And what I find fascinating about Instagram is that I will often talk to friends who look perfect on Instagram. Mm. And then I hear from them that they're having marriage problems or it's not what, what it looks like on Instagram. So I was just getting a little bit of Instagram fatigue in general. And then I gave TikTok a try and I've probably been on TikTok now for about a year um, I can't remember what, what inspired me to try it. But what I love about TikTok is it's so raw. Like, people don't even put on makeup. They just get real, and the realer, the better. There's nobody pretending that they're not having marriage difficulties. There's nobody pretending that their family is perfect. And to me, that's my happy place. Well, honesty. I, I think this honesty is like, oh my gosh, honesty is my happy place. That's so cool. <laughs> um true. I think what I love about TikTok, too, is that it's all video. So yeah. you're in this situation where you're not, you're not, you can't doctor a picture of, or Photoshop a picture or whatever the case may be. You're getting the person in real time. And, right. I, and I think that is, to me, that is, that's why I love it so much. And then, this, and you get to see people's personalities because I think, as you know, because I want to talk about date, the dating world with you, because I think, as you know, when you when you look on Instagram, you know, there's again, you could see a photo. But when you when you are on TikTok, you see a personality, you know, I'll, I, and, yeah. you know, I'm married and I'll say to Scott, I'm like, yeah, I think this person's really hot. But if I oh, would yeah. but if I were to go to the Instagram you know, I, I may not have thought that person was attractive because of their picture, but because I see their personality, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, so I, I think that's what's really fun and great about it. Definitely. And so many facets. I don't know if you've discovered prison TikTok yet. <laughs> TikTok, oh, they say. You don't God. find prison TikTok, prison TikTok finds you. And there are some, some hot prisoners out there. I will tell you, putting out some good TikTok content. But yeah, you would not get that on Instagram. No, you would not. That is so funny because it just found me like... <laughs> me too. Two like, days ago. Like like three or four days ago, there were these women and I was like... And they were like... And the comments that they were prisoners and I was like, wait a minute, when did they allow phones mm-hmm. in prisons? But then I read that it's one of the most smuggled things to get inside prisons. So interesting. Yeah. I feel like I want to read a whole story behind those prison TikToks. I feel like there is one, but yeah. And I also feel like with TikTok, you see both sides. So you can get really dressed up and look really glamorous and use that beauty filter. Or people are just not afraid of using that like really ugly face filter on TikTok where it's just like, we're just being ugly and funny here. Nobody cares. (laughs) It's so funny. Speaking of uh, Mm -hmm. doing writing something or reading something i think it would be really great for our my other podcast our podcast uh, mm-hmm. we are family is have you ever thought about especially with you know obviously being in parents magazine did mm-hmm. you ever think about interviewing like pris- uh parenting from prison you know what i think that that is a great idea i'm gonna steal that idea <laughs> I mean, Do you know what though we have profiled you know what we've done profiles before on parents.com around um 
pregnant prisoners. Because, I mean, there's a real serious side to that. Um, just the fact that it's not pleasant to be pregnant in prison and there are all kinds of rules and, like, physically, it's just not um, where it needs to be for these women or for these people who are pregnant. But um, I think for sure, I think parenting in prisons, I mean, it's just obviously uh, America has a huge problem with mass incarceration, which is something that we're Mm. revisiting even closer now with Black Lives Matter. But um, yeah, I think parents in prison, thats I think that's a great angle. And just the idea of parents being unnecessarily separated for their kids over from their kids over you know ridiculous offenses sometimes marijuana when marijuana is legal so i think there's a lot to, to dive into there yeah that's sure. what i was getting at i mean we don't want to we don't want to interview someone who deserves <laughs> deserves to be in prison but i think that there are a lot of things that is that have happened with people that it's like okay how how are you managing and maneuvering your way through this but anyway um <laughs> that's a great little fun way to start the podcast interviewing you uh, uh like i said i've already introduced you but so tell us more about your day to day i know that a lot of my listeners will be super interested in how you parent as a single parent co-parenting and just mm-hmm. a little bit about you know, the process that you and your ex-husband went through Mm -hmm. to get to this place where you are good enough to communicate and co-parent a four-year-old. Yeah, for sure. So I feel like I'm very lucky to work on the beat that is my life, that is parenting. Everything I do (laughs) is about parenting in one way or another. And when I was first pregnant with my now four-year-old daughter, Esme, who I call Ezzy, I remember my doctor was like, don't you have any questions about pregnancy? You've literally asked me nothing. And I was like, well, I am the executive editor of parents.com. I've probably, I feel like I have all the the questions answered on that website. So (laughs) that's probably why I don't have questions for you. But I think being deep into it, I read all the studies and I read all the reports so that I feel like I'm able to, to pick and choose what I apply to my daughter. I think the good news is that for the most part, when it comes to bringing up kids, there's not a lot that you need to know. I mean, just love them, hug them, read to them, feed them, <laughs> or yeah. they'll eat. Um, exactly. And it's, it's, not, it's not rocket science, right? But um, I remember, so I separated from my ex when Esme was one, and we'd had a rocky time starting from when I was pregnant. And uh, so I was acutely aware of how I wanted to go forward as a parent if it meant that I wasn't going to be with my daughter's dad. And my um, my family, my grandparents had a horrible divorce, and my dad had a, an awful time growing up and living through that divorce. And so I've seen I'd seen so many bad examples of divorce, and I knew that I wanted to do divorce better. My dad always said that people should go to divorce school and learn how to divorce well, and I really took that to heart because he said that ever since I was a kid, and I, I always have had that in the back of my head. And working on parents, I'd seen so many studies to say that. Um, co-parenting was the way to go. And if you can divide your time evenly between the dad and the mom so that the kid has access to both parents equally, that helps everybody out. Uh, And then I read that book, The Kick-Ass Single Mom, Emma Johnson, and we interview her for We Are Family. And she really spoke about this. And she said that not only does it benefit the kids, but it benefits you as a mom too. Because often when you're co-parenting, it's like it's 100% on and it's you and the kid and nobody else. And that's incredibly stressful. And you need that time away from the kid to be able to recover from that. 
So, um, luckily, you know, I met my ex when I was in college. So I feel like we kind of grew up together. And I said this on the po- on our other podcast, but I feel like I, I think of him like a brother. Like I'll always have love for him. Um, sometimes he drives me bonkers a little <laughs> bit, or we drive each other bonkers. But for the most part, it's the most important thing for us is to get along for Esme. And not sweat the small stuff. So when we got divorced, we just kept it as, as easy and breezy as divorce can possibly be, even though the, the divorce system does not make that easy. You know, I had my lawyer convincing me to take majority custody, and I said, no, I want to I be fair. I don't, I don't want majority custody. I want 50-50. Um, and if you watch Marriage Story on Netflix, they talk about this a bit, but lawyers really don't, they really want to make a fight for you, which is obvious. I mean, they make money from it, but... Um, <laughs> I just stuck to my guns and kept it as civil as possible. And to this day, we try, you know, we're good friends. We communicate about everything really easily. Um, Sometimes we'll go and have dinner together or sometimes they'll come over and I'll cook dinner. And so we just try to make it so that Esme has as little conflict as possible. And I've seen friends who are married and, you know, they, they have a lot of conflict in their, in their relationship and their kids are seeing that. So I don't, I really wanted to, make it clear that divorce doesn't have to be a bad thing or it doesn't have to be a negative thing necessarily if it's the best thing for your family. So I actually want to utilize your expertise and your research, you know, that you've done for parents, parents parents.com and all of the, like probably the millions of articles that you've been a part of. (laughs) Let's talk about, you know, having young kids being in quarantine all this time. Scott and I have definitely had some disagreements and it's so funny even when we try to hide the frustration level if it's in front of the kids they still know oh they know it is way more than you think it is unreal even if we're Mm -hmm. even if we're just talking about the subject but holding our tone our kids will come over and they'll say stop talking right now but dad what are you saying to pop up that and it's and it's so bizarre Mm -hmm. and i've read something i wouldn't say a while ago i've read something just a few weeks ago because i was really surprised that these two and a half year olds would pick up on that energy um and there was one article that said obviously you don't want to have some crazy fight in front of your kids but it's good to for your Mm -hmm. kids to see you work through a problem so i just wanted to know what, what kind of research have you thought have you seen about that Oh, yeah. No, I think emotional intelligence is so important in kids and showing kids what healthy emotions are, the full spectrum, whether that's anger or sadness um, or happiness or joy or nervousness, the more emotion that you can point out and talk to f- uh, with your kids from a young age, the better. I don't even think that there is such a thing as too young when it comes to talking about emotions. Um, and you're absolutely right. I think the evidence shows that you know, well, you don't want screaming matches between the partners. And, you know, if there's a problem in a relationship, that's not good. But if you're upset, there's really no point in hiding that from the kids because they're so perceptive. And I always think about, you know, Mr. Rogers was always so great about talking about these heavy subjects with kids and saying, hey, you know, the kids, they, they understand more than you would give them credit for. And things like death, you know, that's a heavy topic, which we, it's much easier to avoid talking to your kids about. But he always, he did a whole episode, I think, about a, um, a goldfish dying and talking about death with kids. And it's just, a, you know, a fact of life. And he treated it as such and, and talked about the emotions around losing a goldfish. And, I always feel like if Mr. Rogers is doing it, <laughs> then it's okay. It's the, it's the right way forward. It must be right. Um, but I do think that 
the evidence shows that emotional intelligence is important and also pointing out when they're when they are having emotions not brushing it aside that's really important so if your kids upset about something even if they fall you know a lot of you'll see a lot of parents go oh you're okay you're okay you're okay right you're okay um, but actually, it's better. A lot of research has shown that it's better to acknowledge, ouch, wow, that looked like it really, really hurt. Oh my goodness. You know, you must be in pain and then that's upsetting and you're sad. I'm just pointing out their emotions and validating them rather than brushing them off and telling them that they're fine can work wonders later in life when it comes to, you know, the emotional intelligence that we all need as adults. And so, and I think another good thing to do is to point out emotions in other kids too. So if you see a kid at the playground is angry, you can have a conversation with your kid and say, oh, look, that kid's super angry. Why do you think that is? What, what do you think made him mad? You know, and have those conversations just talking about emotions. That's all positive things that you can do for your kid. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I think it's so cool because there are two books that we read to our kids. One is, it's called, I think it's called The Feelings Book. Mm-hmm. And so they talk about how Sam, the first, like each each page has a, a story about a different kid and their emotion of how they're feeling that day. And one kid was sad, one kid was nervous, one kid was anxious. Uh, like they had all these different emotions. And mm-hmm. I thought it was so brilliant because in the back of the book, after we read the book to our kids maybe four times, they would be able to pick out which kid was nervous, angry, mm. sad, you know, just different type See. of things. And the things that they did, like they weren't allowed, like the balloon pop scared them, you know, they're, you know, they had a temper tantrum at school. So I thought that's cool. Mm-hmm. And then the other book is there was a, there wasn't a way woman who fought swallow the fly I guess she'll die Mm -hmm. and we actually read that to the boys about a year ago so they were just maybe a year a little over a year old and even at that age they were like what's die and so we were able Mm. to and we didn't we just were like this is what dying is because they were like why would she die (laughs) right um that's that's great. And I feel like, though, in parenthood, you're sometimes just blindsided by these monumental parenting decisions that you have to make in a split second. So when your kid brings up death all of a sudden out of the blue, it can be a little bit like, oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. <laughs> How do I do this right? You know? Right. And you can't always do it right. I, I like to joke, but, you know, I'm only sort of half joking that, you know, we got to give our kids something to talk about in therapy when they grow up. And they will, you know, Doesn't we're matter all in what therapy. We do. We're all in therapy. <laughs> yeah, I also, I also, just speaking of the death thing, and it's just, you know, I'm just being 100% authentic here. So obviously a lot of kids have grandparents and grandparents are older. And so just evolution of time is that you would think that grandparents would pass before parents and then parents and then kids. And so mm-hmm. I always, I kind of think about that. I mean, Scott's parents are 77. My mom is 61. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm thinking that they think they're all going to live to a hundred. So I'm here for that. So the kids will be <laughs> older, but it's also one of the things that I didn't like as a kid when people would say, Oh, they went to sleep. I would be like, no, they didn't. 
No, they didn't. Mm-hmm. I would be like, if they went to sleep, though, they're, they're going to wake back up. And I remember always feeling like, so when are they going to wake back up? And right. until, you know, I really, I got a little bit older and my, my grandfather taught me about like heaven and hell. But then that scared me because I was like, oh my gosh, if I'm not perfect, I'm going to go to hell. It was, you know, it's mm-hmm. the whole thing. So for me, I was just internally thinking, if I ever have to talk about death to my kids, I'm just going to be like, they die, their heart stops beating, you know, you might, you may be able to take on their, what they've taught you throughout your life and maybe carry some of their positive energy, you know, just thinking through that. Cause mm-hmm. it is like you said, a really tough uh, subject. So. Absolutely. And I have a memory where I wasn't allowed at my, I think it was my grandfather's funeral or maybe it was my grandmother's, but I kind of remember being thinking, Hey, you know, why am I not allowed to, to go to the funeral? Why am I not allowed to kind of process that death? I just remember the same, same exact feeling that you had just being acutely aware of it as a, as a kid. And I think that's just important with all things, all these big conversations we have with kids, whether it's, you know, sex and, you know, self-esteem and emotions, kids know about it sooner. If you think of an age when you think the kids will be knowing about it, just bump that forward by like two, three years. And that's probably the best time to talk about it. I love that. And so, you know, it's interesting because obviously I know your background and I know how much research you've done earlier in the conversation. You talked about emotional intelligence, but I want to say from one friend to another to you, I find that while we're recording our other podcast, we are family. I just think I find you to be so intelligent. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. I want to catch up on the amount of articles that she's read and written in my life. But I think what's what's even more amazing and empowering, especially for my listeners of Trust and Believe, is to find out what was your process of getting to where you are in your life and full disclosure, mm-hmm. being a woman. And a lot of times you... We all know and read about how sometimes, I mean, years ago, they used to talk about the glass ceiling. And I used to get Mm -hmm. so angry when they talked about that. So when I see really successful, powerful women or even just women that are working really hard to raise their family, Mm -hmm. I just get so inspired. So I would love for people Mm -hmm. to know your journey and how you got to where Mm -hmm. you are. You're so sweet. Um, You know, I grew up with a working mom. And my mom's a costume designer, and she works in television, and she did Law & Order the entire run, basically. She I remember you telling me that. Yeah. I love Law & so Order. So <laughs> I grew up on the Law & Order set, and I grew up on many movie sets. But my mom was always working really long hours. And um, I was actually just talking to a friend about this last night. It meant that we had late bedtimes because she was insistent that we all eat dinner together, even if she was working a you know, 14-hour day and she'd get home late. It didn't matter. We still ate dinner together. And she said, well, you know what? You can go to bed a little bit later. I'd just rather have the family time. And I was just always aware of my mom. You know, never she was never apologetic about her career. She was always so enthusiastic about it. And it was her passion. It still is. You know, she's the kind of person, she's um, in her 70s. And I don't think she's retiring any or ever <laughs> or anytime soon. She just loves what she does. And so growing up, I was... Um, role model of my mother and she just said you know do what you love because you're you're gonna be working for a really long time and her her philosophy was do what you love and the money will follow now I feel like that's a little bit I don't know I I take some issue with it because I don't think that's necessarily true for everybody um and she did you know how many people aspire to be major Hollywood costume designers many 
and how many actually get there. Not that many. So I feel like there's probably a certain amount of luck and, you know, while we're on the subject, white privilege and everything else that goes into her getting to the position she wanted to get and get into. But it did really inspire me to look for a career that I loved and think about what do I love and how can I make money from that? And funnily enough, I majored, I went to Vassar and I majored in art history, which really has... (laughs) nothing to do with what I do now other than the fact that that at Vassar it was very writing intensive so whatever I did I I wrote a lot so when I graduated I said to myself I want to write and I want to make a career out of it but it used to be that they said in publishing you used to have to work uh, for free for a year before you could be paid Mm -hmm. and that luckily has changed a little bit but I think that that is you know a great example as to why there is a diversity problem in publishing because it takes privilege right there to even wow. to, to the idea of even being able to to take a year and not be paid to be able to to even have a career but i just decided i don't i i'd moved to london it's a long story well actually it's not that long of a story my ex tell husband, it all tell it all, tell it all. <laughs> my ex-husband i met when i was studying abroad in london um and i was studying art history abroad in london and i met a british guy it's like very <laughs> textbook um <laughs> romantic comedy and i decided i'd graduate i'd go back graduate from college and then move straight to london and i lived in london for almost 10 years. But because I'd moved away from, I grew up in New York, but because I'd moved so far away from home, I couldn't afford to work for free for a year. I knew I wanted to write. So I decided I'd just look for jobs that were going to pay me. I didn't want these unpaid internships just to be in a fashion closet. I actually did a little bit of that where I worked for Women in Home magazine in the UK where I was stuck in the fashion closet for a month but as an intern. But that wasn't sustainable to me. I needed to get paid. So I ended up working in what's called B2B publishing, so business-to-business publishing. And that's where you do um, exactly what it sounds like. So it'll be magazines for trade, trade magazines. Um, and those are have always traditionally been paid because they're not the glamorous magazine jobs. So um, it also meant that I could um, fast-track to the top pretty quickly because it was a small-ish um, industry. So I became editor in ch- my first editor-in-chief job... <clears throat> Excuse me. My first editor in chief job was, I think I must have been 25 or 26, and was of an office supplies magazine, if you can believe it. <laughs> Do you know, I say I did, I, my, my, BA was a liberal arts degree, art history. But I feel like if you do a liberal arts degree, you can just cover just about any any beat <laughs> you want. And Office Supplies was one of them. But honestly, that was my most captivated audience because people, the people in that industry are deep in it and they want wow. it hanging on my every word. So I kind of had a, I kind of had a good time with that. But I was, I was the only woman at every conference I went to. And I actually got, I actually had, you know, a few examples where, uh, I had somebody come up and pinch my butt, a a man come up and pinch my butt, and he went, I liked your last editor letter, pinch. I thought, oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, So that was probably my, and, you know, people would get very drunk at those conferences. This was in the UK, but people get so drunk at those conferences, sometimes they'd pass out, people, men, these were all men, would pass out in the bathroom of the hotel where the conference was and then wake up in the morning, passed out in the bathroom, not having gone to their hotel room and then just go straight into the morning seminar. I just thought, oh my God. So I used to have this trick because basically you, it was an old, old boys club and I had to be one of the boys. Um, and in the UK, that means being able to drink. So wow. I didn't want to be drinking that much. And I didn't want to, you know, I was doing my job. I actually didn't want to be drinking at all. 
that you could not be drinking. So I had this trick where I'd have a glass of wine and I'd keep it half full. Because if your glass is empty, someone's going to come over and refill it or get you a drink. Or comment, hey, you better go get another drink. And if it's full, they'll go, you're not drinking. I see that. And call you out on it. It's such a British problem. It's not a problem you have over here in in the... in the U.S., but in the U.K. in a man's industry, it absolutely was. So that was my trick. Um, but then after that, I moved to the same company and I moved over to work for an education magazine and a health magazine. But the education magazine sort of put me in the, the way of um, the, the beat that I'm on now. And after 10 years in the U.K., I thought it was time to come home to the States. And I got a job at uh, Fit Pregnancy magazine and Natural Health magazine. So we used to do them one month on Natural Health, the next month Fit Pregnancy then, if you if you work in, in publishing, you get used to this, but those magazines folded. We got bought out by Meredith, which is the current company I work for. I got moved over to d- digital exclusively on the parents team, and that's where I've been ever since. And now, so I made that shift from magazines, from print over to digital, and now I just exclusively, although I work alongside Parents Magazine, I head up the content on the website. And I don't think, I mean, never say never, but I love being in digital. I don't know if I'd ever go back. I just love the idea that you can see in real time who's reading your stories and how they're engaging with your stories and what works and what doesn't work. That's a blessing and a curse because I think with with print publishing, you can put a magazine article out there and just say, look, I think you need to read this and here it is and use that editorial um, you know, knowledge to, to know what your audience should read. And sometimes in digital, it's a little bit of, re- of a reactive game. You know, it's like we cover Card- we, not anymore Kardashians. Thank gosh, thank goodness, are kind of <laughs> a little bit passe right now. But there was a time when I was like, oh, okay, we cover Kardashians because people read Kardashians. Right, and there's right. a little bit, bit of that, but no, I, I, I love it. So usually, I wait to the end of the podcast to ask this question, but I want to ask you now, just because first of all, being in another country for 10 years, working your way up, doing your internship over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, they speak English. So that was one yeah. thing that was, you know, good. How did you, you know, just going back to you being the only woman and that guy pinched your butt. Like, I, mm-hmm. I think that strikes a chord with me just because of my, you know, sexual abuse history. Mm-hmm. How did you manage that? Because there are a lot of women out there that may be going through something like that right now. Or they feel taken advantage of. How mm-hmm. did you continue to trust and believe in yourself by yeah. managing I mean I know you had the tricks of the wine which I think is actually brilliant <laughs> but uh, how did you know how did you get through something like that because that can really yeah. you know be tough and, and as part of that I had a lot of people questioning everything I did and whether I knew what I was doing and whether I knew what I was covering um, and also when I originally applied for that job I heard from the male executive who worked at my company later that he almost didn't hire me because I was a woman and I'd just gotten married. So I might've gone on maternity leave. He told me that. I mean, again, like that's the UK, but um, I'm sure there are similar stories over here too. Um, So it's a lot. I think you just kind of get keep, you put on your blinders and you just keep, keep going and you just kind of like, water off a duck's back. I think, I'm trying to remember, when I, when I got my butt pinched, I got my entire editorial team, I turned around to them, I was just like, that guy just pinched my butt. And I think they, I'm trying to remember, I think they kind of like bum rushed. Oh, good, good. <laughs> I love that. And we're like, what did you do? And he was, you know, wasted. Blah, 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 blah. Um, but, you know, there's a, I remember I went to interview one guy and he had my magazine open to my editor page, my picture just next to the toilet in his office. 
and just crinkly and gross. And I thought, I can't. That is just so much. Ew. How did you Um, find out? (laughs) I I went to the bathroom. I looked over and I'm like, oh, there's my face. (laughs) I can't. I cannot. You know. So, you know, I think, to be honest, that was a a wild ride. Um, And I got a lot of attention being the only girl. And I got a lot. Sometimes it sometimes it put me ahead in that like there was this kind of awe and this it would be parting of the red sea when i'd be at conferences because i was like the little girl who was the editor-in-chief of this this magazine um but also it made so that i had to really really prove myself and i guess that's a strength i don't know i think when you've had to prove yourself so hard you just you can sometimes go further but it does really test your um oh what's it called when it's like you're just you think that you're not doing you're not good enough for the job you're doing um i'm blanking on that phrase but Uh, um yeah yeah but just like it tests your own confidence in in what you're doing and you have to it does make you have to remind yourself that no i belong here and um imposter syndrome that's what i was trying to think it really does test your imposter syndrome when people are challenging you just because you're a woman or just because of the color of your skin or wherever else people are challenged um in these in this world or their sexuality um it does make you have to fight harder but it does also make you think you get those little voices in the back of my head as a woman like you know with so many people questioning my knowledge of the subject you know the back of my head it's easy to be like should I do I belong here? Do I have enough knowledge? Should I be editor in chief? And, and that imposter syndrome syndrome is common with women, and I'm sure a lot of people who face adversity in the workplace. And it's something you have to kind of just remind yourself that it's not true. You're there for a reason. Right. Speaking of being there for a reason, when we come back from this quick break, we're going to talk about love life. Now, I'm going to tell you first, you don't you don't have to give away too much because your <laughs> your uh, coworkers might be listening. But, you know, when you come when you roll into the carnival with Shanti, I want to find out everything will be right. There. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Back. All right, we are back with my amazing, I'm going to call your friend, and Aww. co-host of my other podcast, We Are Family, and editor-in-chief of People. Um, I always say people because I had a, I, in my head I was yeah. saying people. That's our sister, because, Right, I know, but I always have, because you guys are in the same building, so every yep. time I would walk in that building, I'm like, we're going to people. Parents, pe- pe- parent. but anyway, parents.com. Parents.com. Um, I love both of the actually magazines and online 
things that you guys do. It's so wonderful. It's so real. It's so true.、Um, I know a lot of people might. <laughs> Look at people for one thing, but if you have not gone to parents.com, you have to check it out. Follow them on Instagram. But I'm back with Ju- Julia Edison. Ah, I cannot really, I cannot, <laughs> sorry. Right. Julia Dennison. I think I have like a whole bunch of stuff in my head. <laughs> but anyway, I'm back with Julia Dennison. And I want to get down to the nitty gritty <laughs> of what life is like in quarantine when it comes to dating. Cause you did、oh、tell、God. us that you were,、uh, you know, co-parenting, which I think is really amazing and spectacular and、mm-hmm. doing it, doing it well. But how do you date in quarantine? Oh man. Well, it's not easy. It's funny when quarantine started. Um, I had been dating a little bit, just a traditional dating, you know, going out for drinks, going out for dinner, having a couple dates, realizing they're not right. Just the normal, exhausting <laughs> dating scene that I'm sure you, you might remember、um, if you rack your brain back to the, the time before、right. Scott.、Um, yeah,、uh, so it was, I mean, dating can be exhausting at the best of times. And then when quarantine hit,、um, I was sort of, it was this mixed emotion of feeling like, Dating, how the heck am I going to date and continue to date? Or do I even want to date? Maybe this is a great opportunity to take a break from dating.、Um, but at the same time, and here we go back to what I was talking about before looking at Instagram, the one thing that I saw right off the bat with quarantine and I start, really felt was the fact that you had two, two, two different situations. You had either had people quarantining and they had a family, and that just seemed so lovely to have a family. And Those of us who didn't, although I had Ezzy part of the time, but I didn't have another adult that I was quarantining with. And I was starting to just really go, go nuts and feel this like deep loneliness. So it was like the loneliest time of my life. But at the same time, it just felt like I remember talking to my therapist, like, I can't even. I don't even know when I could start dating again, but that's, and that's like super. I'm somebody that likes control over my life, even though we, none of us have it. I like、mm. to pretend that I do. We, we、um, don't have it. <laughs> nobody has it. Nobody has it. And this is, that was a lesson. You know, I was just thinking, when can I date again? And I thought, all right, well, I'm just going to dip my toe in the dating apps and see what's out there. And right off the bat, you know, you got some really cheesy profiles out there. A lot of guys being like, <laughs> vibes positive, COVID negative. Like, just. Oh, my word. That's、um, so just, crazy. Yeah. And I think you got a few guys trying to be like, oh, it's fine. Like, for us, it would be fine to break social distance. And I remember seeing on TikTok other people experiencing this too, just like, Sleazy guys out there trying to break social distance. And I thought, you know, it's obviously not what I want to do. I have a daughter and I have to be really careful about it.、Um, but this one guy、uh, was, was just like, very creative. And I remember right off the bat, he said, Oh, I see you like the Beastie Boys. Have you seen the Beastie Boys documentary? And I said, No, I didn't. I, I have not. And then he said, Do you by any chance have an Oculus? Now, an Oculus is this virtual reality device by Facebook. And by some weird chance, I had been to Facebook and they'd given me this Oculus. It was very nice of them. But I mean, I'm not the kind of person that's like, ooh, virtual reality, or I hadn't been. So I put it on my top shelf and was collecting dust. And I thought, I said, wait, I actually do have that. Oh my goodness. And he was like, there's an app inside this virtual reality device called Big Screen, and I can project anything that we might, would want to watch into it. And we can be in a virtual reality movie theater where we can sit next to each other and we can talk 
and this be is in so virtual reality. Crazy. And I thought, okay, let's give it a shot. And you know, we were little avatars, but it, I mean, it was just mostly helpful because we could talk and watch something at the same time. But it was so trippy, and you can choose your different movie theaters. So you can have an old timey movie theater. You can have like just like a sort of space station futuristic movie theater. I mean, it was just it's just very very cool. Um, Wait, so and- really quick. So when you're in here, could you like? Look to the left or right you and could. see him. Yeah, his avatar. Him. His avatar. His avatar. And I was trying to figure out. I mean, it added a, a, a sort of additional level of technology and having to figure that out. And that can come with awkwardness, especially on a first date. Right. So it's like you can come close. Your avatar can come closer to me, you know. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that, other than like walk towards you. But then I bump into my wall, so I don't know. Um. So that was really cool. And um. And then he came up with a few different creative ideas. One was that he created a joint Spotify playlist that we could both contribute music to, and then we. We both made mushroom risotto at the same time and we set up a zoom call and we were cooking and talking and it just made me realize that um that zoom having a date over zoom is not to be dismissed it's actually a great way to get to know somebody and we're in this i came out of this this as things start to open up i came out of quarantine and thinking about dating in quarantine and i feel like it was a return to courtship so um, I'm still dating this guy, and um, he. We just kind of got it to know each other in reverse order. We we have yet to have a formal dress update. We've just you know, we actually okay. So full disclosure, <laughs> we really tried the full the social distancing thing for like I guess it was like over a month, and we met up in person and did a social distance walk. Um, but and that's I still remember, so cool, though. Yeah, and but it was hard because he biked all the way here to to Queens from where he is in Brooklyn, and um, but it was frustrating because we were walking next to each other, and I could smell him, and I could see that he was six five, and like all the, and I could see that he was good looking in real life, even though I'd seen that over Zoom, but I couldn't touch him, and we, we talked and walked for hours, and I remember when we said goodbye, we we're like, okay, could we hug? Let's hug. So we kind of did a, a hug, um, and as I as I turned the corner I was just literally like ah yeah <laughs> because it was so frustrating it was like good because I was excited but it was also just like frustrating um and then after that he invited me over to his roof and we were gonna do social distance but then you know I'm a weak I'm a weak woman Listen. we've been doing it we tried really hard we, we but you know what I do also think it's just it's what you, what's probably best to be avoided is that kind of like one night stand quick fire dates with someone you're never going to see again but right. I really put in the work so I felt like I earned that time together and I knew that he was the person I wanted to um, give my I don't know, like take my flower is like a whole different level now right it's like oh my take God. my social distance bubble <laughs> But oh my god, I love merge this. bubbles. Merge I bubbles. So wish we were having a drink, a glass of wine right now. Like I, I so know. wish that was a possibility. You know, it's funny. You said, you know, I know you were kidding, but you said I'm a weak woman. I'm like, that's actually being very strong. Like, thank to, you. No, that is because I, in my opinion, like I look at it. You know, I know from a male perspective, now, obviously, I'm into males, but it's the same (laughs) perspective. Like, guys are like, I like her. If I'm biking to Queens, I'm going to want to, I'm hoping she's going to invite me up so I can get close to her, right? But you're like, no, we're still going to walk six feet apart. I'm going to give you an awkward hug, and you have to invite me to your roof before you even, you know what I mean? So I, I I think you had lots and lots of willpower. 
Thank you. It's courting, though. It's that's what I love about it. It's like Victorian courting, and then you get to know them, and then you decide that okay, I will show you my ankle as we <laughs> as we walk around. Um, but yeah, no, it's I. So I, you know, if I were ever to date again, I think the biggest takeaway is I might insist on having first dates over Zoom because you get to know whether or not you want to spend any time with that person pretty well from a video chat. And in the past, I've wasted a lot of time and money and getting dressed and nights out with people I knew I didn't want to see again. See again. So I there you go. know it's almost like <laughs> such a waste of time. I know Scott and I do our wine nights Friday, and Love even that. though we're it's through the camera, it still feels like in a way that we're at a party and we bring people on, kind of like a radio mm-hmm. show, like a live radio broadcast or whatever. And you know, we some people we bring back in quite often, and it's kind of like, oh, if I was in that person's city, I would actually want to hang out with them just because we've spoken to them so yeah. many times. You get to see their family and their personality. Mm-hmm. So, like me and you. Oh my god! I know. I know. <laughs> I can't wait for a margarita in real life. Sure. I know. We are going to hang out. Yep. So, uh, I don't want this podcast to end. You're so no, great. We could talk forever. And, and the thing is, most of the time when we talk, we're always, you know, no shade to Susie, but we always have someone else on the phone with us. <laughs> That's true. I know. <laughs> so, this has been fun. Um, yeah. You know, I just, I, like, again, I think you're just such a, number one, a light in the world and you're such a powerful person even though you think you're weak because of a 6'5 guy I would be weak too <laughs> uh, but what are some you know specifically for women I mean I, like obviously men will be able to relate to this to the answer to this question but or statement but what is one of the most empowering things you can say to women out there to continue to go after their goals no matter where their life is at this moment sure I mean I think it's important to let go of the guilt. That's that's probably my, my biggest mm. piece of advice, um, especially thinking back on my beat and thinking about myself as a mom and thinking about the working mom subject. And I, my mom never had any guilt about working, never. In fact, my mom probably has a lot of mom guilt, as we all do. It's just what happens when you're a mom. But working was, she's she's completely unapologetic about it. And to this day, she's totally unapologetic about having worked very long hours my entire childhood. And I'm closer to her than I think anybody is to their mom. So, you know, again, and I think there's research and studies to back this up, but just let go of this idea that you need to spend all your time with your child to be a good mom. And I think that that is also applicable if you're co-parenting, because I can sometimes have those dark moments where I think, I'm only with my child half the time. Um, But that doesn't make her any less bonded to me. And that doesn't make her any less um, loving me and vice versa, obviously. Um, I think what it does do, and when you have your career, and when you have your own passion, and when you have your own time as a a woman, that helps you recharge. And we talk a lot about... we talk a lot at parents about the mental load, and that's the idea that women are are often doing more of the parenting in their head mm. um, than than even good dads out there because they don't even realize all these things that are spinning in in, in mom's head. Um, and I think it's about letting go and just making sure you have the time. Don't feel guilty about the time to yourself because that time to yourself is when the creativity happens yes. and that career. And that career can take off. And don't, when your kid sees you just kicking butt in your career, that is the best gift 
And I think I'm also stealing a line from my mom here too. Uh, my mom. <laughs> Hi, mom. Um, I want to meet your mom. mom. I'm like, can <laughs> she come? Can she come be a designer for me <laughs> for something? <laughs> yeah, she's cool. But I think, yeah, I think just don't um, don't feel guilty about it. And if and your child seeing you successful is one of the best gifts that you can give them, whether they are a girl or a boy. If you've got a daughter, it shows them what's possible. If you have a boy it'll help them and their relationship to women growing up. So having a great career and, you know, no shame for stay-at-home moms too. And by the way, I think that that's a harder job learning this now from a quarantine and being with my kid all the time. (laughs) I think that's often a harder job than a job job because, hey, with a job job, you can go for a bathroom break and you can go and get a coffee and you can go take a break and walk away from your desk. As a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home parent, can't do that. So whatever your passion is even if it is raising your kid full-time and and not having a traditional career um don't be don't be apologetic about it own it and you do you but take Uh, that time i love that um you just brought up something one of i just realized talking to you that one of and i think we may have spoken about it yesterday on the interview that we did but (laughs) my mom's success as i was growing up I remember when she actually started, she went to the bank and she went to school, went to the bank, got a better job. We weren't on government assistance anymore. That was actually, I still remember that to this day. And I believe it's such a driving force for me to continue to be successful and do hard work because I actually coordinated her making me make the honor roll, (laughs) you know, (laughs) or the principal's list or whatever. Like I can, I equate that to when she went out and did something to better herself, to better her mm-hmm. life, which obviously trickled down to us. So, um, yeah. that's great advice. It's great. Mm-hmm. Julia Dennison, even though I couldn't remember <laughs> for some reason, I don't know. You know, there's okay. a lot of Julia's out there. No, no, no. But you know what? I have never in my entire life, and I'm so happy I can talk to you about this because you get it. I've never, I never understood what people meant when they had like parent brain or mom brain or whatever oh, people call it real. and I literally sometimes I like I'm not forgetful but I'm just I have so many things in my head that I'm just like I have no idea what I'm saying at some that's point that's the mental load there's so much in your brain all the time as a parent that you're constantly having to think about and it's the back of your head consciously or unconsciously so but why does that yeah. happen I'm sorry I'm getting my own personal counseling session here. just because there's so many things to think about you know like a parent being a parent is a full-time job being a, a having a job is a full-time job <laughs> It's like you're expected to do both at once. And just because you have, you're thinking about your, you know, presentation for work doesn't mean you're also not thinking about the fact that your, your kids overdue for their pediatrician appointment. Mm. And there's just always something you're, you have to worry about yourself. And then also you have to worry, worry about, well, for you, two other, two other beings. (laughs) I know three, if you include Scott, but, um, (laughs) all right. Well, thank you so much. Where can, where can our lovely listeners find you besides our other podcasts? We are family. So head to parents.com, um, follow parents at parents, but you can also follow me on Instagram at at Julia Dennison. That's D E N N I S O N. Can we follow you on TikTok too? Are you private? No, please, please follow me. I actually just post. I just posted a TikTok just now, actually. So, um, watching my page, refreshing, looking at that view count. But yeah, Julia Dennison on TikTok too. All right, we'll, we'll follow you. Thank you, Julia. Thank you.